Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast episode 40, Product Defect Waste. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, where we are building profitable food businesses, one product, one process, one thought at a time. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannensteel. Alrighty, hello everybody and welcome to our 40th episode, which is completely crazy. Uh, I'm so excited to be bringing this episode to you. I'm not going to lie, it's the summer. I live in the woods in Maine. And if you're attending this episode recording on Facebook Live, you can see me sitting on my porch enjoying... um, what I would say is the quiet silence of the woods of Maine, but the truth is, is if you've ever been here, you know the woods can be really sort of noisy. <laughs> so, but that's okay. You can get the background, the uh, background noise that I fall asleep to at night uh, while we do the episode. Okay, so thank you so much for everybody who's joining us live. Um, I, of course, am recording all my podcasts uh, as Facebook Lives this summer in an attempt to work once. <laughs> So join us over on the proofing box every Thursday. I usually do these Thursday morning at eight o'clock and you can ask questions, uh, talk about things that are going on uh, that are relevant to your life. And I'll be taking those after I do the podcast episode. And we are really discussing uh, products and product waste today. And believe it or not, this is something that's totally relevant to my own business because guess what? I have products, friends. <laughs> and the podcast is a product. The Facebook group is a product. And so the way we think about, we think about products as business people is super, super relevant to how we go out and operate in our businesses and I'm having those same conversations within my own business. Okay, so let's just get on into it and say, well, what the heck are we talking about? So we are talking about product defect waste. So this is, I think, the fourth episode in our Wastes of Lean series. So we started this back in January and we're going to be covering this well I mean throughout the podcast for heaven's sakes but um because the ways of lean are super super important to everybody and how we show up in the world and um well and and how we show up in our business and driving out the ways of lean I mean this is everything that we're covering in the power group um this summer and we'll be covering in every summer so if you're interested in this conversation i would love to get in touch with you uh just dm me or contact me sfbdi at dirigofoodsafety.com and we'll get you an application um and have some conversations about getting you into the power group so you can take this work to a deeper level but the like really even before you join the power group um what you really need to figure out is what is your product? Okay. And I ask that because it's really the first question I ask all of my clients is what do you make before I ask you how you make it? Because everybody comes to me and they say, Oh my God, Dr. P I need a HACCP plan. Well, that may or may not be true. And, um, there are a number of people since the food safety modernization act got passed that come to me saying I need a HACCP plan. 
when they don't need a HACCP plan, when the HACCP plan is not actually what's regulatorily required from you, uh, okay? Everybody assumes they need a HACCP plan because that word gets thrown around without people actually understanding the regulatory requirements, which is, of course, why I have a podcast, my friends. So here's the deal. You make food, and I'm sure you make awesome food. And I am sure you have said to me, or like, how awesome your food is. And I have said to you, I don't care how awesome your food is. Okay, because the perfect food in the world does not solve problems. Okay, the perfect food in the world is completely useless to your customer unless it gets to your customer wrapped in an envelope of regulatory compliance. So that means your preventive controls plan, it means your HACCP plan, it means your um, any good manufacturing practices, which everybody has to adhere to. I don't care if you're making food in your own kitchen, you've got to adhere to good manufacturing practices if that food is going out to the public, okay? Um, and then that, that perfect food and regulatory requirements is wrapped in yet a third envelope, okay, or I suppose a second envelope, of market and customer expectations. So that's like your organic label, your, you know, your state labels for, you know, get real, get main, or, um, you know, the I love New York label and that, that sort of thing. Okay. So what I am talking about is the process we do here as part of the proving box system, which is define your minimum viable product. Because before you can define what the waste is and find the waste in your minimum viable product, you actually have to figure out what your minimum viable product is, okay? And that starts with, it, and it totally starts with your food. I mean, if, if you look at the, um, if you look at the, um, the uh, uh, diagram that I create, and I'm going to be doing this on a webinar. So stay tuned to the end of the podcast, and I'm going to talk about that. But I have this diagram where, you know, your food is at the center of um, a set of concentric circles. Okay, you make the perfect food, then you have to figure out the regulations and adhere to them. And then you have to figure out market expectations and adhere to those too. And of course, it starts with the food. If you make crap food, nobody's going to buy it, right? But if you make crap food and you don't deliver it to your customer, you're going to lose the customer. And distributors, I'm talking to you, man. Like, get your system straight, my friends, because in local food, we need better distribution. And so if there's anybody here who is looking at a distribution model um, for a business, by all means, please come talk to me because we are desperate for it in every region of the country of a distribution model where people understand what their minimum viable product is um, and how to create good customer service. I promise you there is a viable business in there and I would love to talk to somebody about it. So anyway, so your minimum viable product starts with your perfect food and then you have to figure out what regulations you are uh, governed under. And so your regulations, of course, depend on whether you're distributing um, locally, like, or within your state or across state lines. And I'm not going to lie, there actually seems to be an inverse relationship between the complexity of your regulations and where you distribute. I have the most problems 
with implementing food code HACCPs for restaurants that are trying to make their own charcuterie to sell on the other side of the bar. Okay. So that's not even, that's not like even like leaving the establishment. Like that is the most complicated because um, of the way the food code is written. Food safety isn't complicated. The documentation on the other hand really is complicated because of the way food codes are written. So yeah. <laughs> and that's why I have a business, right? So the, um, you have to figure out what those regulations are and don't be afraid of the federal regulations is my point because sometimes the federal regulations are actually way easier to comply with. Now, it might not be appropriate for your business. Like you, you can't get federal inspection in your restaurant establishment and I totally understand that. You can't get federal inspection of cannabis products. All of that stuff is inspected basically under the food code um, though in New York, they decided to adopt the um, dietary supplements standards and it's going to be inspected by the state. Okay, so if you are part of, part of my cannabis world and in the cannabis world, you really have to understand how your state is uh, enforcing their rule systems. Most of them are based on your local food code. Okay, not all of them, but most of them. New York is like one of the big old exceptions where they just decided to adopt the FDA standard for dietary supplements. So my New York cannabis people, go look into that. If you have questions, feel free to post them. All right, and so those are your regulations. <laughs> then you have market expectations. Okay, so your customers, um, or what I like to call the money tree, sends out signals, okay? Those signals are, please help me with this problem. Just like trees, you know, if you're watching live, you can see the trees behind me. Those trees are always sending out chemical signals to their cohorts about what they need and what's coming and what's eating them and that sort of thing so other trees can protect themselves. Well, your customers do the same thing. They send out signals about what they need in the universe, okay? And those signals generally aren't subtle, but we just listen to them with the lens of our own thinking, all right? And, which is totally human, that's what we do. We listen to them with the lens of our own thinking, and sometimes we misread those cues, happens all the time, we call that failing forward, and we just get better at listening to our customers until we're listening to them really well. That's all. We're listening to them super, super well, and we learn how to solve their problems in ways that they will trade us money for. We love that. And the first step to doing that is, of course, defining your product. And so your customer expectations, do they want local? Do they want organic? Do they want regenerative agriculture? Do they want, um, let's see here, do they want um, Six Sigma on your net weights? Some, that was a fun one coming from Whole Foods this year. Um, they, do they, do they want audits around your business practices? Do they want an SQF or a BRC audit? Like you have to know that and you have to go out there and literally ask them, okay? They want to give you this information. Customers want your product. So just start with the belief that you have amazing things to offer in the universe and all of this becomes way easier. All right, but you've got to talk, you have to actually talk to your customers, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and that's how you develop relationships with them. I promise you, no matter what you're selling, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And so your pr product, 
uh, development process should build trust and credibility with your target market, okay? And so finally, we've arrived at what your minimum viable product is. But the reason I have you do all the work to define like what your food is, what your um, regulations are, and then what your customer expectations are is because that is 100% of everything of where you are going to find your product defect waste. It will always be with the food, the regulations and following the regulations, and that's usually documentation or taking a temperature or that sort of thing, okay? And then customer expectations. And product defects around customer expectations are often reflected in your food or your regulatory um, expectations, okay? Because there are other um, wastes that happen when we start delivering product to customers, all right? But you can absolutely have product waste when you send the customer the wrong product or not enough of the right product. That absolutely is product waste. Okay. And um, so, yeah, I'm recording this outside and this is about the time of the day where the fox comes and um, likes to try and eat my chickens. So, and my German shepherd, not that great of a shepherd. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. So anyway, we, um, so those, so we look at that minimum viable product and then we start picking it apart to figure out where our product defects might actually be. Okay. And so let's start out with what your food actually is. And the first way to understand whether or not you have product defects is to decide, is to figure out whether or not you've defined your product. And we define product by product specifications. So step one, thou shalt have specifications. And you're never ever gonna define your product defects unless you have a documented specification to compare your product to, all right? I know all y'all don't wanna write product specs and you think those are only for the big guys. I don't understand why I have to go through that exercise. I promise you, you have to go through that exercise. <laughs> we have ways for you to go through that exercise. I have a whole course on how to write a product specification. It will actually help you sell more. Uh, so talk to us about that, please. Uh, but you write a product spec, okay? And then you compare your product spec to what you actually made. And that is your A number one um, indicator as to whether or not you have defects, all right? So where you start in microscopically small quantities, okay? Where you inspect your product. Now, I will tell you, you cannot, uh, inspect quality or safety into your product at all, ever, forever and ever, amen. It is manufactured into the product. So your process, which we'll be talking about, you know, ad infinitum, I promise, um, is what creates your perfect product, all right? So it's, and, and, and you can't fix it after the fact, by and large. You can rework it and send it back through the process, but that's defect waste, right? So, what are your specifications to what your actual product are? What did you write down and how did your product actually turn out? Start there, okay? And then what we do, once you understand that, then what we do is we um, start looking at your product defects over the population that you have of your products, okay? So 
over the course of a week, how many products turned out correctly? Okay, that's a great way to look at it. Over the course of a month, over the course of a shift, like whatever, whatever time frame you are looking at, look at how many products you actually produced correctly. Okay, and then look at the process. This, you know, there's always process. It's never just product. There's always process that's associated with trying to figure out whether or not you made your product perfectly. Okay, and so as you start looking at that, you're going to start recognizing, okay, so my product defect came from the product itself. All right, I um, didn't add the right ingredients. This is, I mean, like, everybody, this has happened to everybody. You have a big recipe, you have a new person and they literally didn't add the salt. And then, um, I, it's very difficult to rework salts back into a recipe, but, um, that's what people try and do. <laughs> so that's one kind of product defect. All right. And that's a defect. That's like a defect with the center of your diagram, with the center of your food. Like you didn't create the food correctly. That's a super big product defect. And then you have to go do a root cause analysis as to why the salt didn't get added. How can you improve the process so the salt gets added? All right, so that's the first kind. The second kind of product defect is, is you didn't meet your regulatory expectations and regulatory requirements, okay? So let's just take the easiest one there. You didn't cook it or you didn't document that you cooked it. Okay, because um, if you have taken any of my food safety courses, you know that failure to monitor your critical limits is the same thing as missing your critical limits itself. Okay, so if you didn't write it down, it did not happen. All right, so that is probably the most popular way to miss uh, um, on your regulatory requirements, okay? You just didn't write something down. That's a product defect, okay? Because you can't prove that you are making your product, all right? And then as you look at customer expectations and what your customers are expecting, you can have product defects if your products don't pass an audit. So say your customer wants an organic audit and you fail your organic audit, all your products are now considered defective, okay? So, <laughs> All of that has to do with process, but you don't know what process to show up to until you define your product. And that's really the point, right? Okay, so when we define our product, we define our minimum viable product, then we can start looking at our product waste. And it's our product waste that we can then control because controlling your, controlling your product waste is actually way easier than you then you think, okay, it means showing up to the process, okay? So if you have defective product or product that your customer has returned, do a root cause analysis, okay, and understand why they did it. And then from there, okay, you can choose key performance indicators, okay? And our key performance indicators are kind of exactly what they sound like. Uh, they are the measurements of how well we're doing stuff, okay? And if your key performance indicators, all right, are all about how much rework, 
we did and uh, how much time we did around rework, how much effort we put into rework, um, because there's a, there's a lot, or returns, you can do it as returns, okay? Your key performance indicators are all about creating those metrics to monitor and analyze and optimize your food manufacturing, okay? So here are some that you can start thinking about, all right? And we have definitely have a download for this, all right? So, and I'll provide, um, we'll provide a link. Um, we're super easy to find, you know? Um, so the first one is your defect density, okay? And this is how we track damaged items right away. It's the number of defective products divided by the total number of products produced. I mean, that seems kind of obvious, right? You just have to make sure that you have a time frame in there. So per shift, per week, per month, um, make it something that is actionable, okay? Um, so that is, that's probably the easiest one for you to keep track of, okay? And think about your industry benchmarks. All right, so now over in the like regular manufacturing world, the industry benchmark is we have our product defects are down to what we call six sigma. So that's six significant figures past the decimal point. All right, so it's point zero 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 one or less. Okay, you're not going to start there. Okay, you're not going to start there at all. And so, um, but you got to start somewhere and you start by measuring. All right, another great one, your rate of return. Like how much product do you get returned? Uh, all right, so we're going to keep that as low as possible, right? This um, also has to do with, you know, like your recalls and all of that sort of stuff, okay? So your rate of return should be super, super low. Again, we're looking for it in the Six Sigmas, but start somewhere, all right? And many of you don't actually get returns, um, but is the question, you're not getting returns because um, your product is perfect, or are you not getting returns because your customers think you don't care, all right? So think of it that way. Next, um, this is the right first time performance indicator, okay? And when you get, um, when you get this, you will be really, really on, on track, okay? And this is sort of the opposite. This is basically the inverse of um, uh, defect density. Number of impeccable products divided by the total number of products times 100 to create a percentage. Okay, we create that as a target. All right, now, if you go and you look at the number of impeccable products and you're getting 100% every single time, you are not committed to continuous process improvement. Okay, and then I guess suppose this... Uh, <laughs> This podcast is not particularly helpful, okay? Most of you will not get it right the first time every single every single time. And I will tell you, if you think you get it right the first time every single time that you do it, you are not committed to continuous process improvement, and you're not looking for the defects, okay? So I'm not saying go on a hunt for the defects all the time, but you have a definition of what your product is. It's your perfect food wrapped in regulatory requirements, wrapped in your customer expectations. And you're getting all of that perfect every single time that you do it, you're probably making one thing a week. 
you know, like, cause that's the other way to do it is just constrain your production. But if you want to grow and scale, that doesn't work either. Okay. So defect density. All right. And it's inverse right first time. And then your rate of return for some of you, your rate of return might be the easiest place to start. Um, but these three key performance indicators, and you can absolutely download this. If you go to sfbdi.com slash episode 40, um, we'll have that download available for you. Okay. And use these key performance indicators uh, to create better product in your facility and drive out waste. That's how you do it. That's how the big guys do it. That's how the medium-sized guys do it. And I don't care if you're making three pies a week. This is how you can do it too. All right. So that's what we have for you this week. And I want to let you know, I this is like the outtakes version, my friends, because I had a complete technical fail this week. So many of you know I was doing, I'm in the middle of a product launch. We're doing an in-person seminar on August 16th in my office. It's going to be amazing. We're going to be talking about all of this sort of stuff. We are going to be talking about the prism we use in the proofing box to stand in our uh, integrity and serve up truth. Okay. So I have a webinar that I'm doing to get people interested in it. And I had complete technical failure. Like my Mac died. It got sent back to the factory. Totally hilarious. All right. And I've been recovering from that all week. But because of that fail, I am doing another webinar next Wednesday, July 17th at 11 a.m., okay, where I'm going to be going over the whole proofing box concept, and we are going to be talking about simplifying your process, all right? I would love it if you joined me for that webinar. There's going to be links in um, the upcoming newsletter. There's links in my Friday notes from Dr. P. There are links on the proofing box. Join us for that webinar. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And I want to let you know, there's going to be this wicked cool fast action bonus for everybody who registers for our in-person seminar on uh, August 16th, and you are not gonna wanna miss this because this fast action bonus opens, all right, on the webinar and it's closing on July 31st. And I want everybody to decide quickly, but the first thing that you have to decide is to actually come to the webinar. It's gonna be completely rad and you are gonna learn so much. And we're gonna be talking about the process. So if you start showing up to your KPIs around your product, you're gonna be able to start showing up to your process next Wednesday by coming to the webinar. So I will put the link um, in the uh, podcast uh, notes on the live stream on YouTube. Join us in the uh, proofing box. And you guys have been delightful. Thank you so much. Everybody have a super awesome week. Bye guys.